0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 4th and Frames. Tonight, I'm your host, Rhett Manuel. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Battistell and Drew Scott. And tonight, we're exposing you to one of my favorite ways to play fantasy football, Salary Cap Dynasty, with one of the Dynasty nerds himself and an OG friend of the show, in Jason Snyder. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get it poppin'. So, all our viewers, whether you're on YouTube, X, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you are, thanks for dropping in with us tonight. Uh, we have an OG friend of the show, one of our favorite guys, one of the first guys we chopped it up with here whenever we started this a year ago, Jason Snyder. Jason, first off, man, it's so great to see you. Tell us how you've been, what you've been up to, dog.
1: It's awesome to be back with you guys. I mean, the feeling's mutual. I was When you guys asked me to be on, I was... Psyched to get the invite, so I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about one of my favorite uh formats tonight.
0: Yeah, man, we should have a good time with it. But first thing I want to do before we get into talking about this uh niche format in salary cap dynasty, I want to go around the frames and talk about last week in the NFL. First off, getting into the uh championship games, first game, the San Francisco 49ers defeated the Detroit Lions by a 34 to 31 margin with Detroit blowing a 24-7 lead. In the third quarter. So, Jason, I'm gonna kick it off with you and let's just ask the obvious question. In your opinion, should Detroit have gone so hard and still played so aggressively in that spot being up 17 points?
1: I mean, obviously, that's the conversation this week is that Campbell's been taking a lot of knocks for the way he was yeah, he u- uber aggressive in that second <laughs> half, you know, and particularly the fourth down stuff that he was, you know, going for it on fourth downs when he was in field goal range. I think that's fair. Um, you know, the, his supporters are going to tell you, that's how they got there. And that's how he was going to ride, you know, ride or die with, with that philosophy. But I think when you get in a game like that and you've got a 24 seven lead at halftime and you've got all the momentum, you know, you got to play it smart. And he came Mm -hmm. out, um, you know, if you just play ball control in the second half of that game, you make it prohibitively difficult for the Niners to get back into that game. You just run the ball and you grind them down. And that's supposed to be what they're all about. I mean, grit and all that stuff that gets talked about with Detroit. I mean, what, what better time to tell your you know, five guys up front, go win us the game. You know, we, you know, we got a 17 point lead. It's halftime. We're going to grind these guys down and we're going to get the win. I really feel like maybe I don't want to say the lights got too bright for them, but I think knowing the history and knowing how their fans and all that stuff that was riding on their backs, like to get to that Super Bowl berth, and you look around and it's halftime and it's twenty four seven. You think like, man, are we really gonna do this? So I think they awful. almost kind of like out <laughs> yeah. outsmarted themselves. They thought like, you know, we got we got to do this, and it just became the pressure, kind of caused them to do some really uh, uncharacteristic or goofy goofy things.
0: Yeah. So, Chris, what's the takeaway for Detroit ultimately out of this game? What do you, do you think they evolve? Do you think they just go pedal to the metal full on from here? Uh, what's Detroit's next step after what we, can, what we can't call anything other than a massive collapse?
2: I mean, just just getting stronger, really, uh, trying to fill the holes in their offense and defense, bring in another wide receiver that's maybe not going to catch one of the most important balls of that team's whole season, like Josh Reynolds did on on that, I think it was that third or fourth down there, that one crucial play where he dropped it. So they're built in a way that they can spend maybe some of their draft capital, some of their early draft capital on some luxury pieces for that offense even on that defense as well. So um, keep doing what they're doing. They're they're O.C. stayed, so they're going to have a lot of the same kind of guys there still on both sides of the ball and the coaching staff. Uh, The team that's going to win the Super Bowl is the team that always makes the adjustments. Yes, their identity, like Jason said, was to go for it on fourth down uh, in those situations. But you got to take – you take the points there because – if you don't take the points there like they did and they lose the ball on that fourth down, that's a momentum changer for the San Francisco 49ers. You take the three points, it may still be a, a three-score game, but that 17-point lead is now a 20-point lead. And when you start getting into the into the psyche of how these athletes think when they see that 20-point lead, we just got scored on again instead of we just stopped them on fourth down. We're getting the ball back now. It's your guy's turn you know, go catch a pass off some guy's helmet, make these spectacular plays that'll get us to where we got to go. Uh, those are the things that ultimately comes down to coaching. So hopefully there's a bit of philosophy change in that in that coaching room. We know that the coaches are most likely staying there. So hopefully there's just a little bit of a tweak, a little bit of philosophy change for the Lions.
0: Yeah, 100% agreed. But let's just call it what you said. You mentioned it. That IU catch is just one of those strokes of good luck, one of those mm. magical plays. That, that just New York have, Giants play, man. It's, you, it's just that, yeah. You just cannot plan for something like that happening. But man. I'll I'll say this, and it's one of those things, you know, I was rooting for Detroit to get there, but, you know, hopefully they take some lessons and evolve from that. And speaking of evolving, guys, uh, in the AFC Championship game, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs playing a little bit of a different style of ball all year than they have in years past. And yet here they are once again back in the Super Bowl after a 17-10 win and shutting down Drew's guy and Lamar Jackson <laughs> and, and the Baltimore Ravens. So ultimately, Drew, I have to come to you with this question. Um, this isn't the same sort of Chiefs offensive team that we've shown in the past. But in your opinion, do you think this is the best Chiefs team we've seen yet because of that defensive unit that they have this year?
3: Uh, it's definitely in the discussion there's some of the offenses in the past that they've had have just been so incredibly good and the defenses have still been you know good enough they just haven't been this good so I, I guess it's just kind of pick your flavor if you like the defensive dom- dominance and then this is probably to be your favorite Chiefs team I prefer the teams with Tyreek and the, the way <laughs> that that offense exploded that those are my favorite Chiefs teams um, so I would probably still give those teams, the edge, just the way that the, you know, the NFL is constructed uh, and geared toward the offense now. But it's, it's definitely very interesting to see the defense carry this team the way that it has and see the offense just kind of get along. Uh, So it just, you know, if they're able to keep this defense together for a couple of years and get this offense, right. It's just like, I mean, damn, it, the offense finally has a down year and here they are, they're still back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's it, if you're a, if you're a fan of an AFC team that isn't the Chiefs, it's got to be so damn frustrating. I, I'm thankful yeah. that I don't have to deal with it on my side, but I, that's got to be tough.
0: <laughs> yeah, youngest defensive unit in the league on average age on top of that. So, you know, if they keep it together, they're there for a while. And I want to go ahead and bring this to um, back to you, uh, Jason, in this situation. So now that we have, This Super Bowl uh, matchup. Uh, Let's go ahead and round the frames once again and let's go ahead and talk about this. Um, Let's start with Jason. Um, Super Bowl, who is your early winner and who is your MVP as of today in that game?
1: I mean, we just talked about the way that the Chiefs are winning these games in the playoffs. And with that defense looking the way that it does, um, we talked about the Lions and the coaching. I mean, you can't find a team that's coached better than the Chiefs. <clears throat> when you look at that AFC game, the Ravens completely unraveled there. I mean, they got too hyped. They were, you know, they're taunting people. They're fumbling. They're, they're, they're trying to be bigger than the moment instead of just staying within themselves and a bit them. And all through these Chiefs games that you've watched, the three games that they played in the playoffs, they're composed. They're prepared, and they got Mahomes. <laughs> I mean, as whether you like him or not i mean he's the new tom brady like mm-hmm. he's got the target on his back and until somebody dethrones him he's the guy so i'm not crazy enough to pick against him i've seen him do it with offensive teams i've seen him do it with defensive teams i've seen him do it with what people consider to be middling talent and and they're back they're back again so i'm going to go with the chiefs and i'm going to say he's the he's got to be the mvp drew
3: yeah, this, this is pretty simple for me because there's no way in hell I'm picking the 49ers to win. Like, <laughs> there's not a team I hate more in the league than the 49ers. And I get to just pick the, the next dynasty instead. So I'll just roll with that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, Mahomes, Kelsey, those guys always just seem to show up. Uh, it, and I don't know if you guys saw this. I saw I saw a tweet for each of them. Now that they've played so many playoff games together, they've basically played like a, a, a full NFL regular season of playoff games. They've had like 17 playoff games in there. Their stats in those games are so unreal. I wish I had the tweets in front of me so I could read it out. But these, those two in the playoffs, Andy Reid in the mm-hmm. playoffs, ever since he got Pat Mahomes, it, you know, I mean, it's his play calling mixed with Mahomes' ability, I don't really give a damn who's catching the ball outside of Kelsey. And, like, I like Rasheed Rice, but just with those guys showing up the way that they do in big games and now they have a defense to back it up to, right. it, it, it makes it – even if it was a uh, even if it looked incredibly stupid to pick against the 49ers if they were playing somebody different I'd still be picking against them anyway but this makes it a little bit easier.
2: Mm-hmm. Chris. Yeah, I saw I, I heard an interesting stat today that I think Patrick Mahomes has the same amount of playoff wins as Peyton Manning, which is absolutely <laughs> crazy considering how long Peyton Manning was in the league and Patrick Mahomes is only uh 28 years old so the fact that he's already has that much wins under his belt he's hard to bet against but i'm gonna go san francisco 49ers way here and i think oh, the defense God. two weeks to prepare <laughs> <Two> <laughs> I, weeks, I didn't want weeks. it to
3: be a sweep man that's 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 bad luck and that's, and dad, yeah. About yeah i hear <laughs> you I
2: I, I that's, that's another 49ers. reason why i wanted to do it i didn't want right. to give him the fourth and frames jinx but Two weeks to prepare if they take a page out of the Miami Dolphins playbook in in that week three matchup where they completely shut down uh, Travis Kelsey and they're going to rely on Isaiah Pacheco, uh, a running back is something that the San Francisco 49ers can stop. So (laughs) it's going to be one of those games where it's going to come down to the Kansas City offense versus the San Francisco defense and San Francisco 49ers defense is just going to do enough to stop the Kansas City Chiefs and we all know the Kansas City Chiefs defense weakness is the running back and San Francisco 49ers have one of the best if not the best running back in the game so San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl winner Christian McCaffrey Super Bowl MVP
0: look I'm gonna go ahead and I'm just gonna be contrarian I'm gonna be a chaos man I'm just gonna go ahead and say Chiefs win this game and I'm gonna go just to see America cringe, because that's what we do. Travis Kelsey for MVP and excessive <laughs> screen time for Taylor Swift in the process. That's what I'm going for, baby. Let's get I into a it. couple other things around the league before we go ahead and get into why we're here tonight. Uh, first off, big news coming out of the offensive coordinator slash head coaching front this week. And that Ben Johnson and Bobby Slovic both staying on as offensive coordinator. Jason, I'm going to start with you. Uh, ben Johnson has been in the head coaching um, speculation for a couple years now. Uh Is it potentially the possibility that it might pass him by and that two years on he's passed on a job? Uh Does he get that same consideration next year, being that he's already passed on these things twice?
1: I mean, I suppose that's always a risk, right, when you make a decision like that. But by the same token, I mean, you got to respect what he's doing. He's saying, I believe in my guys. I want another crack at this thing. I'm not going to abandon them. So, I mean... If you're, if you're an owner, how do you look at that You know, as a negative? You're saying, hey, the, mm-hmm. this is a guy that really believes in his program, believes in his players. Yeah. He's sticking it out till the end. I mean, I, I can't see that as a detriment to him. But what I do find interesting is with him staying there, I mean, the speculation was that he was going to go to Washington all along. And Washington's like, Nebraska's on the flight on the way to Detroit. And he <laughs> says, nah, I'm good. And then I read today when uh, Michael McDonald went to uh, Seattle, supposedly mm-hmm. Washington was calling him like, hey, hey, can we, get you, can we get you over here in Washington? And he's like, nah, I'm going to go to Seattle. It certainly looks like from the outside. Now, I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm, you know, I'm not unbiased here. But it looks like Washington is just being left at the altar by everybody. Like nobody wants to go there. And I, I mean, that's kind of shocking given their new ownership and you know the, the amount of money that they have to infuse into their team. They have some decent mm-hmm. pieces. But coaching-wise, Number it's two overall pick. It does not look like anybody wants to. I mean, they're getting the, the dregs of what's left. Now, the thing is, when you hang around this long as an organization, now you get to pick from who's left after the Super Bowl. So maybe that's their play at this point. You know, try to poach one of those guys from from a Super Bowl team. Um, but that's a dangerous that's a dangerous game that they're playing, and it certainly the optics of it aren't great for them. It certainly looks like two guys kind of just said, "Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on, or I'm gonna stay where I'm at," and uh, that doesn't look good for them.
2: Jay, yeah, but what, what about? Sorry, Brett. I just want to bump in and talk about this Washington job here with with Jay. Yeah. What what does that say for Eric enemy considering that he probably thought he was leaving KC to go to Washington to most likely be that head coach or future head coach there? Right. It doesn't. I don't even hear any reports that they're even giving him a look. So what does that say? I, yeah, I, that, I, like, that's.
1: And you know what's really. Uh, you know, I could be wrong about this, but I thought I read because he's technically still under contract as a coordinator that they were withholding him to take, you know, interviews or or opportunities elsewhere, which if, if that's the case, I mean, talk about optics, that's a real bad look for them because if they're not going to yeah. give him the head coaching gig and they're just kind of holding him as a standby yeah. just in case yeah. they can't get anybody else, that doesn't make me want to, you know, if I'm outside that organization, I go, that's how they treat their people. I don't, I don't think I really want to be a part of that. That's a great point <clears throat> as well. Yeah. And I mean,
0: so the Ben Johnson thing, staying on Detroit, Um, we've kind of talked briefly about this Washington job. So let's go ahead and ask Drew, who do you think ends up with this Washington job?
3: Last thing I read was that they were that folks were expecting Dan Quinn to get the job. I I don't know how accurate that was. It was just a notification that came through to to my phone. But apparently Dan Quinn's considered the favorite now. So Hmm. I I, I don't know. We'll see. That'd be quite the. I wouldn't be quite as confident in Dan Quinn
0: as I would have been Ben Johnson. So that's quite the flip if that does end up happening. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah I have yeah,
1: heard yeah, that sure. rumor as well. Yep.
0: Considering that as a retread coach, you know those always don't work out. Sometimes they do less. Especially line, on the but-
3: defensive side too. Like with, like I, I with how the blueprint has been basically put out there with all these guys, you still have to hit on the coach. But these young offensive minds is really what it seems like yeah. that people are going that route. And especially if you think about a team like Washington that has the number two pick. Odds are they might be drafting their next fr- franchise quarterback. Why would you not want to get him, give him a young offensive-minded head coach to try huh. to grow with them, as opposed to going and retreading with a defensive coach that's already flopped as a head coach? Like, that just doesn't—I don't know—that doesn't make any sense and to me. They have all these guys, GM, but
2: right—they've had Slowick, they've had McDaniel, they've had McDaniel.
3: yeah, they had quite the—they've they had, quite had all these guys, in,
1: and they let them go in their
2: office, and yeah. they're, they're all gone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Weird man.
0: situation. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Over in Washington, yeah. so back, uh Chris. Quickly before we get before we get into talking about salary cap dynasty tonight, uh, Mike McDonald named that Seattle head coach today. Just general thoughts on that, man.
2: Uh, I, I like the fit. Um, I, I was a big Pete uh, Carmichael guy, not Carmichael uh, Carol. Sorry, no, nobody's a Pete Carmichael guy. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's away from the New Orleans Saints, and I love it. <laughs> but I was a big Pete Carroll guy in that in that in that head coaching room for that team. So uh new face, excited to bring a new look there in Seattle. Uh for me, uh fantasy wise at least, it's all gonna hinge on uh Geno Smith. So uh head coach or not, I'm just hoping that he can get back to that twenty twenty two Geno Smith and bring us back to that, you know, quarterback one presence that he was. That yeah, Geno who's our, Magic. Uh,
3: who's their offensive coordinator gonna be? Do we know yet? I don't think it was announced yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't think so either, but that, that's i I'm—that's what I'm really that's interested in. That's a big thing as well.
1: That. Yeah. 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 That, and that's, that's the thing that's always fascinating. These moves at this time of the year is, you know, this team, you know, Seattle just hired a head coach today. They are already behind on coordinator searches because mm-hmm. these other teams like the Eagles, you know, I'm biased. I told you that's my, that's my center, but they've been picking the pile for their coordinators long before these teams even had a head coach in place. So, they get an advantage, and some of these teams that go deeper that may have vacancies, they're going to be on the outside looking in because everybody else has been out, outside you know, of the playoffs, and they're trying to poach these coaches. So it's really – it's fast, especially like the, you talk about the Senior Bowl this week and all that kind of mark, uh, stuff that goes on down there with uh, – Yeah, yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just – uh relationships and, and movement all that stuff that you don't see as a fan maybe on the surface that's all happening under the current of uh, of the nfl bill belichick to washington let's go have you <laughs> not to belabor this segment but did you guys hear the rumor? speaking of head coaching that uh, andy reed's looking to retire and the rumor is that kansas city would bring in belichick to replace him if andy Reid retires oh, come on no. i did not
2: hear that i heard that oh. today and i was
1: like you know, you talked. We talked about Kansas City's defense and how dominant they are, and how young they are, oh. and that's Belichick's, you know, wheelhouse. Just think of. I mean, he doesn't really need to do much for Mahomes. Mahomes I don't want it like Bobby just Jake. throw him out in the field. <laughs> like that's scary to me. Like Belichick yeah. with that Chiefs team, look out. Yeah, I, I did see I that. Uh,
3: I saw that Jerry Jones said something about that. You know, if Belichick was still around and they needed a head coach, they'd obviously, you know, want to bring him in too. And oh. I, I mean if Andy Reid does retire like after next year and, and then Ben Johnson hits the open market again, he might look pretty smart if he ends up landing Kansas City's job. Oh yeah, and that's true. Patience too. will look pretty good. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys. So before we get into talking about winning leagues and salary cap dynasty, let's talk about one of the primary tools that is gonna get you there in fantasydata.com. And don't forget to use the promo code Fantasy and Frames to get 20% off of your monthly subscription and some of the most useful fantasy football data and metrics out there to help you become a better player, content creator, dynasty owner, whatever it is. Once again, that is fantasydata.com, promo code Fantasy and Frames for 20% off. So, guys, let's get into the reason why we're here tonight. The reason we brought Jason over here specifically because he and I. We're kindred spirits and we knew this since day one where we have this weird little niche pocket of fantasy football that we love to play where all we do is basically talk nerd stuff all day and we talk salaries and all these different contracts and all these different things. Um, It is a very small but growing niche of uh, fantasy football, this salary cap dynasty thing that takes the best elements of all these different formats, whether it be keeper, auction, dynasty, redraft, Uh, college to Canton, Debbie, like you have to have knowledge of everything to roll in there and be a successful player. So Jason, I want to go ahead and start, start off by asking you this. Um, when did you become a sicko like me and discover this (laughs) and, uh, what made you fall in love with it, man?
1: So I I guess I would say probably like most of us you know redraft was my my gateway drug of choice you know everybody kind of got into fantasy football playing redraft that's i was True. the guy with the magazine clutching it at the draft and you know who my guys going to be this year that's how everybody got into it then i had a friend who who i was a league mate with in the, in my redraft league say hey do you want to join this dynasty league and i'm like tell tell me more about what's this what's a dynasty league i never heard of that before and so i joined a dynasty league and it was not, you know, an average dynasty league. It, it's a 50-man roster with taxi squads and IDP. And, you know, I'm jumped in and deep end, Good like right, right out of the chute. So, um, but I was like smitten with dynasty, you know, from day one. You know, I, I like the year-round cycle of it, just like so many of us do. Um, I didn't think anything could really simulate the exhilaration or, you know, the, the sim- similarities of managing an NFL squad. Really kind of like it because of that year-round schedule. And then I got an invite to a salary cap league and that really changed my perspective. You know, once again, Um, that commissioner happened to also be a lead mate and he warned me that the format was a little complex, but he said, there's (laughs) nothing quite like it. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. Um, That kind of bore a striking resemblance to what I had heard about dynasty when I got into it. So I thought, you know, if that worked out, maybe this will too. And uh, man, I jumped in and the rest is kind of history. I I fell in love with it. I I mean, I hope to, kind of convince you guys but i'll uh, you know tonight we'll try to explain to you why why it's so unique and why i think it's got a leg up on the other formats
0: yeah uh, i've got a pretty similar story you know the gateway drugs you know redraft you know keeper leagues all this Mm -hmm. different stuff but it was one of my good friends he's like come play in here with us and at first he explained to me i'm like no no i wasn't ready yet so (laughs) i really like for a while there i was a little bit apprehensive a little bit like these guys then one year I just decided to jump in and take the plunge. And then all of a sudden, you learn. And we're probably going to talk about this a little bit later. That learning curve those first few years kind of just bit me in the butt hard. And then, But you know what? Once we got there, it was kind of just like, oh, my God, you can't get enough. There's this Mm -hmm. year-round thing. Plus, man, it was just good stuff. So just go ahead and just to introduce our uh, fellow host here. Go ahead and give them some of the main similarities. That we have to offer in the salary cap dynasty league and some of the differences, some of the biggest differences as well.
1: Okay, sure, I can do that. Um, I would say, kind of at its core, salary cap is it's still just dynasty. Um, you want to build a team that balances your win now approach uh, versus having a pipeline of young talent um, that can kind of keep you afloat for the long term. Um, the key difference is that you're operating within a budget. So, in addition to the aforementioned goals that you have, you also have to operate from kind of a sound financial platform if you will um if you ever played in a fantasy auction format it's very similar it's, it's kind of analogous to that um however in salary cap when you have budgetary considerations they last you know beyond the initial startup when you do an auction and you have like 100 fictional dollars let's say or 200 you're just kind of trying to put together your best team once that's over those 200 fictional dollars are gone and you don't ever think about them ever again in salary cap <laughs> You think about them, <laughs> you think about them for a long time, <laughs> sometimes. Um, and that's the beauty of it. You know, I hate to yeah. say, say it like that and, and sound like I'm remorseful about it. I, I love that part of it, but um, you really have to kind of, you have to plan. It's a, it, you have to have a plan and you have to make sure you're disciplined to that plan.
0: Yeah, that's certainly one thing that I'm going to tell you is that the discipline matters. Like it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, it's we're going to keep saying the word daunting because at first it, there is a challenge to it. I can remember stepping into that first um, startup auction that we had. And, you know, the way our particular league is our structure is formatted, our servers. I don't know if y'all do it this way, this way but we have anywhere from a one year deal to a four year deal. hmm. And I remember early on, one of the, the first big contract I signed was an Amari Cooper four-year for $88 million whenever he was in Oakland. <laughs> so I was like, for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing great. This is awesome. This is awesome. By year two, it's the year where Amari Cooper falls off the cliff in Oakland, right? You remember this. So mm-hmm. then I had to make the hard decision, and I was like, one of my friends in, jo- in joking, he's like, you should IR him for the season and save half the money. He's not doing anything. And me not still not knowing the ropes, I'm like, okay. So then, like, <laughs>
1: <Sounds
0: good>. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I get to save eleven million dollars and have some money to spend later. Stupid mistake, but that's a lot. What we're going to talk about here is that sometimes you're going to make those mistakes, mm-hmm. and then you get better for them in the long run, yep. um, and all that. So, with that said, I kind of just mentioned, you know, the auction thing, the salary structure, the contracts all these different things and drew and Chris y'all are free to jump in at any time with questions Mm -hmm. or anything like that as well. But you know, the auction format, you know, we had drew Davenport on last year talking about auction, you Mm -hmm. know, some of these different strategies you might use, you know, whether it's running, running the price up different things like that. So do you find personally, because in the leagues I play with, these guys tend to be real. Do you tend to see that bidding up thing happen to, where you can end up with a guy who may not be so valued trying to get, a guy cornered and kind of have him in a situation where it's like all of a sudden, okay, wow. I'm stuck with Hunter Renfro for the next three years at 12 million a season, even though, Hey, he's probably a $6 million guy.
1: Yep. Oh, no question about it. That happens all the time. Um, I would say, you know, when we're talking strategy, your first goal, when you get into a, into a salary cap league, you're going to want to find out what all of your fellow owners, which teams are they fans of? Because I guarantee you when it comes time to an auction, whether it's a free agent auction or a startup auction, those guys are going to overspend on the players from their, you know, their hometown team, the team that they like to root for. And, you know, you can turn the screws on those guys a little bit and say, oh, 10, I bet you do 11. I bet you do 12. And the only thing you have to be careful is that you don't get bitten and they go, nah, 12 is too much. And then you're left holding the price tag on that guy. So make Mm -hmm. sure you're within your budget, but don't let them get any cheap players and make sure you know you do your intel and you know i know i can get i can get a little extra out of this guy because the thing of it is it's almost like a game within a game really salary cap in that there's a chess match going on if the more i can get you to spend the less you the less can you spend on it's... a player that i want let down the road so i'm trying yeah. to get you to to eke out every penny that i can because down the road that's going to be advantageous to me so I mean now you're playing kind of mind games. I don't want to sound like you know you're you're psyching Fordy the guy changed. out or you're trying to be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be a jerk or something, but you really have to know what you're what you're up against so that you know where where's my advantage and how can I kind of exploit this situation.
0: Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to similar into a redraft sort of format, you're always looking for those value pockets mm-hmm. um in a in a salary cap situation. So um Drew, I'm just going to go ahead and kick this to you. I know you're not a salary uh, cap guy, but, I mean, whenever we're talking about finding value pockets, I mean, the best way I can describe it is sort of how ADP and um, a lower-end contract might be the same thing. So take, for example, if you're going to have a guy like Rashid Shaheed, you're probably not going to overspend on a guy like that because in all likelihood, in a redraft format – He's going to be a late round sort of guy in all likelihood. So first I want to ask you just in terms of a general uh, fantasy football format, like what is some mm-hmm. of your go-to, like, I guess, uh, value strategy to try to find some of those value guys?
3: I think the number one thing, and it's it's a pretty easy thing to do, whether it's your own rankings or if you're using rankings from somebody else, if they don't already have tiers, put tiers in them and draft with draft with rankings with tiers. That's the number one basic thing, easiest thing for me to do that I have in my in my own personal rankings, and I just pay attention to those tiers. And I, you know, if I'm Looking at, am I going to get a receiver or running back? And I've got a running back that's the last one in his tier. But then I have, you know, 10 receivers still available in my next tier receivers. I'm going to go ahead and grab that running back that I think is the a cutoff at a tier of running backs in my rankings. And then I'll, you know, I'll target receivers a little bit later on. Um, they're just a very, very basic thing you can do to help you out in terms of not reaching for players and being able to gauge value and where the the value buckets lie. But listening to you guys talk about this, I it – it made me question just in terms of like dynasty startups and things like that and drafting players. Is it the, the dynasty startup, is it just like a traditional auction? Like where you were talking about, like you get $200 and you draft players and then you have to sign them to contracts later, or is it like a blind bid where you're having to like submit potential contracts for these guys? And then you find out if you got them or not. Like how does the startup draft process, it just like, is it just a, a snake draft? Like how do you, how do you get started?
1: So, I mean, I can, Rhett's experience may be different than mine because I think he plays on a different platform. He plays on RSO. I play through MFL. So okay. there, there's some intricacies that are a little bit different. Um, when I play on MFL, when you do a startup, um, I mentioned the 200 fictional dollars, like from an auction league. When you play in a salary cap league, your budget is the actual salary cap of the NFL that season. Yeah. So I forget, do you, okay. Rhett, do you remember offhand what it was? I think it was like 200 and some 25. million this it year. was like
0: 225 or something like yeah that.
1: right so that's your operating budget so you've got to get all whatever your roster constraint you know whether it's 20 man or 50 man or whatever it is got to get all your players within that 225 million um wow. and so what gets tricky about that is if you're giving guys multi-year deals you have to not only look at what's my salary this year well, what's my salary going to be a year from now or two years from now? Just like the NFL teams have to do because you might have a guy and say, I'm going to lock this guy up for four years, just like Rhett was explaining earlier in the show. And yeah. then all of a sudden, now now that, that contract doesn't look so helpful when you're you're right up against your salary cap down the road. The other thing right. that's hard to predict is you don't know what the NFL's overall cap is going to be. You know, sometimes they go up two percent and in the uh covet year in 2020 they actually dropped the cap significantly because they weren't getting fans in the seats and that right. killed from a salary cap standpoint if you were trying to project like oh i'm going to get extra money next year so i'll be fine all of a sudden killed you got it. you're way over your budget it's like I, what am i going to do with all these guys i got them and they you know the cap was 205 or something you know you're 20 million short of where you thought you were going to be so you really have to kind of strategize and think, and think ahead about that kind of stuff. That makes it really tricky. Yeah,
0: it sounds like
1: it.
2: Yeah. It's a game within a game. It really is. Yeah. It really yeah.
0: is. Yeah. 100%. I'm just going to go ahead and talk about, in reality, Sports Online is the exact same format. where We have the NFL-style salary gap, and you know, it's the annual um, contracts. And usually with a commissioner, how many of each type of contract you have depends on the commissioner itself. So mm-hmm. let's say um, oh. normally... Standard operating procedures I play in is that normally in the um auction, the yearly auction, free agent auction, we're allowed one four-year contract, mm. two three-year contracts, three two-year contracts, and the rest are one-year contracts. So basically you have six multi-year uh, contracts to divvy up, and then the rest of them are one-year deals. So that's kind of where the redraft element comes into play is mm-hmm. that you're not going to retain every guy you draft every year for yeah, multiple yeah. years. So that opens up a lot of things as well, which, by the way, we don't have an hour to dive into all the intricacies of this thing because a yeah, come come <laughs> well runs way too deep. But I'll say mm-hmm. this is that sometimes you might take a shot on a guy that you think is a little bit underrated, and I don't think we have time. I don't know if MFL does contract extensions, if it has a contract extension option.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But
0: there's a chance that you might take a chance on a one-year guy, and all of a sudden he blows up and you have the option to – keep him further down the line for additional years in season Mm -hmm. and make that decision kind of like a GM would. Let's say you have a guy that's having a great season and all of a sudden they're like the Saints last year in real life, they signed Carl Gramps into an extension of preseason and people were like, what are they doing with that? Come to find out he's a pretty dang good defensive lineman. Mm -hmm. So normally that's about a month into a season where you kind of start to see, okay, these guys are having a pretty good year. And I know with RSO, the way it tends to work, is that it works on an algorithm? So let's say a guy's playing really well, and you could press that button to offer an extension. The algorithm will say, "Okay, Michael Pittman's having a great season. His year is going to be uh, four years, 120 million, 30 million per season." And you're like, "All right, that's too rich right now." And he has six bad weeks in a row, mm-hmm. and you're still considering him because you know he's Michael freaking Pittman. So you come back six weeks from now and you press that button, and it's like, "Okay, now the offer is four years, 90 million dollars." which is significantly cheaper on a yearly basis. And so that might be something you're more inclined to do. Like we said, a lot of interesting details going on, but what I want to get into now is Chris, and this is a place where you're specializing. You're a big college guy. Um, Jason, I want you to sell Chris right now on the rookie draft experience and how it works with the salary scale and the rookie draft itself and all those things.
1: All right, great. Um, I feel like a salesman, like I got to go back and talk to my manager and see what I can do for you, Chris. And like, what do I got to do? You to need to you... bring
2: it down a couple thousand here. <laughs> <Jay>. <laughs> what do I
1: got to do to put you in the salary cap league today?
2: <laughs> Yo, hey, I need the heated steering wheel and right. a little extra salary. I'll, I'll work camp. on it. I'll work on it. <laughs> so
1: when we talk about rookies, you know, the rookie draft in your salary cap league, Is going to follow a very similar trajectory to a dynasty league. You know, the worst teams are going to pick first, the champ goes last. Mm -hmm. All that's the same. Um, However, the unique difference in a salary cap league is there's a there's typically what they call a rookie wage scale, just like the NFL has. So if you're picking third overall, it's already decided that guy gets you know five million or ten million or whatever the number is. That's when you're picking third, that's what he gets. When you pick eighth, that guy gets two and a half million or whatever your scale is that's set up by the commissioner. And you know, that going into your draft. So what that really, the wrinkle that that adds in terms of strategy is if you're in the top five and you're not going to, if you like, I'm assuming it's a super flex, you're not going to take a quarterback or you're not going to take somebody that's worth those high salaries. Now you're looking, I got to trade down because I want to take a tight end and you know, $10 million a year is way too rich to take up in that top five spot. So you got to start thinking about what are you paying these guys based and, and, and kind of coordinate that with where are you taking them? Because to take them way, way high is, yeah, is a yeah, detriment yeah. to Over you. Value, yeah. And the other thing that you have to think about, at least in the leagues that I play in, right, you jump in if, if this is different than you, the unique thing about the first round in a rookie draft is they'll give those guys five-year deals because that's to simulate the fifth year option that the NFL has. Those are the only players on any of the rosters that are going to get a five year contract, so now you're looking at I want to lock this guy in for five years, just like in the NFL draft. When you get down to like the tail end of that first round, when you're at like 11 and 12, all of a sudden those picks get real value. You know, that guy starts getting a lot of phone calls and texts because it's like that's an extra year I can have that yeah. guy locked down. So now all of a sudden, 111 and 112 they're a little bit more valuable because once we get to 201. That's a four-year contract, and I want the guy locked up for five years. For five, so yeah. I'm I'm making my you know even if I'm at two hundred two and I think I can get that guy there, I got to get to one twelve to get that extra fifth year and get that you know even if I pay a little bit more in the salary, who cares because I'm getting an extra fifth year of control. And you know, in salary cap, the way that I think it's very special in that it emulates or simulates the the NFL is that you it really puts an onus on Drafting well because Mm -hmm. those are the guys, just like in the in the league, you've got control over them. They're under low low dollar contracts, they're locked up long term. And if you draft well, you're gonna have a hell of a team. If you don't draft well and you got to fill those holes through free agency, you're paying way more than what you would have paid a rookie. And now all of a sudden you've got holes elsewhere. So it really puts the onus on knowing your rookie class, drafting well, making sure that you're picking them in a spot that's favorable to your to your budget and uh you know I, hey it's not for everybody but i think you know once you get into it and you're really like dialed in yeah. there's nothing mm-hmm. quite like it
0: and yeah, rso very... rso is a little bit different in that uh, you said you will have automatic five-year contracts <laughs> for pro topics mm-hmm. at MFL. rso gives you the option of having your guys either three-year deal or four-year deals depending on commissioner settings and what they do is for first-round picks, there's a fifth-year rookie option where just like in the league, that salary jumps up in that mm-hmm. in that option year. So instead of having a guy, you know, Jonathan Taylor, those first three years of a deal, he might be making mm-hmm. as the one one you know, $8 million per season. Well, once he gets that rookie option, and all of a sudden his number jumps up to the average mm-hmm. of the top five running back salaries in the league or whatever it is. So all of a sudden in that fourth year, that fifth-year contract, Jonathan Taylor's $8 million contract. He's proven himself. You retained him. Now, all of a sudden, that jumps up to like a $25 or $26 million contract, depending, once again, on what salaries look like in your Mm -hmm. league. So it's a little bit different than RSO, but it also kind of emulates that NFL setting as well with the option. So, yeah, it's also a cool setting right there. Um, So, Mm -hmm. guys, we are talking right now about award-winning strategies and everything, and one of the biggest – Sponsors of Fantasy and Brands is TrophySmack.com. Feel the rush. Dive into the glory with promo code FIF at TrophySmack.com. Get your hands on a free Fantasy Football Championship (laughs) ring when you purchase one of their epic belts or trophies. Indulge in the extraordinary. Surrender to the allure of Trophy Smack. Use code FIF and become a legend. Trophy Smack style. Don't just listen. Immerse yourself in the seduction of success. TrophySmack.com immerse yourself in the seduction of success. I love that ad read every time I hear it. It just cracks <laughs> me up, man. So look, um we've we've gotten into a lot of things I wanted to talk about already in terms of salary structures, uh the auction, the rookie drafts and all those different things. But we might hear what a good we've heard what a contract might look like. Now, what I want to get into right now is kind of talking about what a good contract might look like and what a bad contract might look like. So let's Let's take this um, somewhere. So give me an example of a maybe somewhere in one-year leagues where you've seen a bad quarterback contract and what that might look like. And since we know the rookies are on a rookie scale, uh, let's look at it on a free agent perspective. So sure. uh, what do bad contracts look like in this sort of format and what do they do to the team long-term?
1: Sure. So I would say, I mean, obviously the best contracts that you can get are the low-dollar long-term deals, like the rookie deals that we just talked about um and sometimes you can kind of sneak one through in a free agent auction you say like i'm like i got my eye on this guy nobody really knows anything about him i'm going to scoop him up for league minimum and i'm going to give him a three-year deal you can kind of pull that sometimes but generally somebody else is going to be savvy to to a developing player um now conversely the worst deals they're going to be above market value and they're going to be on players that are declining in skill so if you got a guy that's approaching retirement Yeah, exactly <laughs> like the NFL. So if you got a guy that's kind of long in the tooth and yeah. and he's making above the market value, now you got problems because you gotta you gotta clear that guy's salary off of your roster. Now, what I was gonna mention, Rhett, is this is where it really gets fun. Savvy salary cap players, they're gonna probably dive into actual like I've learned so much more about actual NFL contracts and language and all that stuff through playing in these leagues because wow. The first thing I do when I start to prep for like a free agent auction, I go to spot track and I'm like, what's this guy's real contract? How long does this team, does this NFL team have control over him? When can they cut him without a drop penalty? Like, because that really matters. And when you're handing out your contracts, I'll give you a good example this year. I had Josh Allen on my, on my team mm-hmm. and I wanted to get, it was a best ball league and I wanted to get Kyle Allen who was his backup. Cause I thought like, God forbid something happens. I want to at least, you know, be, be prepared. And I went and looked at his, at his contract, Kyle Allen. It was only a one year deal. So I thought I can go get Kyle Allen. No one else is going to want him because who else is going to pay big money for him. And I'm not going to give him my, my tendency is to go, I got him now. I'm going to give him a long-term deal because then I'll have Josh Allen's backup forever. But if he's only going to be in Buffalo for a year, why am I wasting my contract on that guy? So I gave him a one-year deal because I know he's good chance he's moving on to some – you know, he's a journeyman-type player. He's going to be on somebody mm-hmm. else's roster. And when he's the backup in Seattle next year, <laughs> does my roster no good being being stuck yeah. there for another two years. So yeah. you really kind of have to not only know what your goals are as a player, as a fantasy player, but you got to know what the NFL's goals are and how they're treating these guys, what their ages are. You know, I always go – spot track is good for that because it will give you their age. It'll give you how much money they've already made. It'll give you when when's the current contract going to expire with their current team. When can they get dropped? And you can kind of feel out a little bit. You get pretty savvy at this guy's not long for this team. You know, his contract, his deal might say he's there for three more years. But I think after this year, they're moving on or they're trading them or they're dropping them. And so you kind of use that to your advantage as a salary cap player.
0: So so, Chris, go ahead and tell me this, because, you know, I haven't had you talking a whole bunch and I apologize. But, you know,
2: no, you don't. play
0: you play quite quite a bit of dynasty um, leagues yourself on a yearly basis. Um, in terms of what you do traditionally in a dynasty um, league, are you finding any similarities or differences in terms of age apex, different things like that in terms of the salary structure and the salary cap league versus a traditional dynasty where you have a guy forever?
2: Um, I find it to be um, complete opposites actually. I find in a traditional dynasty league, I'm more willing to take risk because it's easier to get away from a sunken asset where the information I've been gathering from this from this episode here is salary cap, salary cap leagues is a lot of risk aversion trying to get away from all that, um, uh, you know, getting away from the, maybe the players like, like Jay just broke down that their team might not might not want for the long term or might not be looking into signing for the long term. So it seems like the players or the managers that are more successful in this kind of format are the guys that don't take as much risk or try to um, stay away from the risk. I don't know if I'm reading that right. It could be, I could, could be completely seeing this from the other side, but it seems like you you really gotta be uh, savvy with your budget. You gotta you gotta know um, a player's value not only in the NFL but on his team, um, player wise and money wise. Uh, whereas you know like regular dynasty league, you know I'm risking maybe if I need a tight end and I'm picking that 104 and Brock Bowers is there, maybe I'm picking that 104, but. At 104, like 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 Jay mentioned, with the with the way that the scale works, I'm not taking that risk to to pick Brock Powers at 104 and have to overpay him for for four or five years, right? So uh, there's some similarities, but it seems like there's a lot of differences, and um, I'm almost there. I'm almost sold on it. All so, right, so I'm go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Red. I want. Uh, I'm going to touch on that then, though.
0: I want to go ahead and say this is that just like in a dynasty league where you have a a win now build and a re and a rebuild sort of situation. Some of these same rules generally apply. Yeah. So if you're in a win now sort of situation, you might be a little more likely to take on a Tyreek Hill and pay Mm -hmm. him a little bit more because you know, he is a guy that can help deliver you a championship.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Whereas if you were a guy who, who is out of contention for the next three years and you realize your roster isn't all that, Well, if Tyreek Hill's on my roster at that point, the rest of the roster is garbage. I could see a guy who's looking to win a ring now or that's close, and i go ahead and I can move back into that draft, maybe get a first-round pick off of him, because he's close to winning a championship at that point. Then not only are you saving yourself money, but you're also helping to restock your roster as well.
2: So with that, though, are you more likely to move a player like Tyreek Hill if you're in that situation for a little bit less as – or Dynasty League, you know, you're, you're still going to hold on to them because you don't have to carry that contract. And you're going to try, if, if, a, if a contending team wants them, you're going to try to squeeze out as much as you can because you don't have to worry about uh, being cost effective and, and anything like that. So do you find in, in salary cap leagues that you'd move a player like that for a little bit less just to move the contract like the NFL would? Sometimes. But yeah. once again, that depends
0: on knowing your league mates. Because if I have a guy in one of my leagues who he is just, I like to say he's trying to, he's always trying to build the Avengers. <laughs> and what I mean by that is this is that in this past year, my man went out and he acquired all in one offseason, stacked up all these first round draft picks, and ended up in the same offseason acquiring Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson. Needless to say, we know him as a big LSU fan now. <laughs> so if you have a guy like Clyde edwards alaire who you know we know probably doesn't hold a whole lot of value, correct? But yep. you might be able to maybe squeeze this guy for a little bit extra because you know he's an LSU guy. Mm-hmm. So once again, it just comes down to knowing your league mates. But yes, there's yeah. there are also situations where, all right, you're out of contention. Uh, not only are you trying to move this guy for a little bit less, but you might mm-hmm. be willing in order to pick up a draft pick take a bad contract off of them as well. So that way you can ultimately, you know, sweeten the deal for them, get that draft pick back that might help you out more. And then you can still save some money on the back end and maybe cut that other guy and end up saving some money there as well. So yeah, once again, there's no easy answer. It's all super nuanced, but yeah, that's the best way you can probably answer that. Now, Jason, what were you going to say just now? I'm sorry.
1: Uh, I mean, that's a perfect segue into what I was going to talk about, which is I think Chris, your, your initial read is, is, probably spot on for what most new players and salary cap would feel which is i don't want to make any mistakes here i gotta play this safe i gotta be real conservative and i think that's probably totally normal that's probably the way that i played it i mean i've been in it so long i don't remember what my initial approach was to be honest but the longer you're in these leagues you learn the subtleties of kind of like risk management or risk mitigation i would call it and so there's things that you can do to kind of make those risks less and one you know we talk about these contracts, again, this is by platform, so I'm going to be speaking to what I have experienced with, but there's typically a drop penalty. So yes. in the leagues that I'm in, the drop penalty is 25% of the remaining value of the contract. If you're going to drop a guy, say you have a guy that's got a million-dollar contract and it's a four-year deal, if you drop that guy, you're paying a million-dollar cap hit to your salary cap in that particular season. Like but then he's off day. your yeah. roster. Then yeah. you're clear and free and clear of him. Now, if you got a guy that's making $10 million on a four-year deal and you drop him, you're going to pay a $10 million penalty to your cap, which is pretty substantial. When you get mm-hmm. into those situations, you're going to be looking for a trade partner because you're going to say, if you trade that guy off of your roster, you get all that cap space back. You don't pay any penalty. Yeah. And so what happens is, just like in a dynasty league, your bottom feeder guys, the guys that are in a rebuild mode. They highly have a lot of cap space and they're going, mm-hmm. well, I'll take that. $10 million contract for that guy. That's no good. But if I'm going to take him from you, I want some draft capital to go with it. Yeah. And so you're willing to pay that draft capital just to clear that salary, you know, that dead salary mm-hmm. off of your roster. So you kind of learn these little tricks like, okay, this guy's not contending. I could probably talk yep. to him and he would take this deal. Now that, that guy in turn is just going to drop him, but he has a space and that $10 million hits, not going to hurt him in that season. Cause he's not contending anyway. So that's what I mean. Like, there's ways to get bad contracts off of your roster mm-hmm. if you do it in a smart way. You just have yeah. to kind of learn the ropes. So I don't want to I don't want to scare anybody and have them think like, oh, you can't take any risks and you can't make any mistakes because <laughs> it's truly not
2: true. It's just you have to learn how to get yourself out of those situations when they occur. When to take the risks, where to take the risks. Uh, yep. So I just got, I just got one question before we jump into to anything else. I was gonna take an orphan from Rhett. Uh, another couple points that I've taken from this conversation here is that, uh, league mates are probably some of the most important parts of these leagues because, um, of the way that the, the league is built and the teams are built with the contracts and how you hand out contracts and stuff like that, as do you find it easier to fill an orphan team? Do you give any kind of leniences to orphan, to orphan managers, is it just like because because he showed me the team and it was a it was a rough team. They had a ton of cap space, mm-hmm. a good amount of capital. But it was just like, if I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to take an orphan and put any kind of right. investment of money or time into it. If the orphan team is not just set up in a way where I can at least try to compete right. as a newbie. Maybe if it was someone that had a couple years experience in the format, they might have a better um Uh, look at how to rebuild the team but uh for i was i was getting that anyways was are orphans easier to fill or do you find orphans a little bit trickier to fill i
1: i I mean in my experience i can only go off of my experience but i do think you know that's part of what we're doing here is a little education a little outreach to get people educated on the format get people excited about the format because it can be intimidating to people and you go to somebody and you say not only would you like to play salary cap, but would you like to come in on this roster that somebody's completely botched and then you take it over, (laughs) but you pay full price. No, Nobody wants to do that because it's already kind of like imposing. And then you're like, okay, great. Now I got an uphill battle on top of that. Like, I don't, I don't want to face that. So yes, I do. I do think it's tough to fill the orphans. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, And I think that's why it's even more critical when you're in a startup mode that you make sure you find committed owners. And you yeah, find people that thing. like are dependable and you know that you can count on and that are legitimately interested. Because if somebody kind of just has a path, you you have to be committed to this format. It's not something mm-hmm. you just kind of wake up today and kind of lick your finger. And go, I think I'll try this out. Like you yeah, got to really like waiver wire, yeah. right? You got to find the hardcore guys that are really into it. Because if you start off with anything less, it's going to bite you in the long term, and your yeah. your league's going to collapse.
0: So yeah, Drew, I'm gonna ask you right now. We've heard Chris say he's almost over the line, man. Where you at right now? Uh
3: I'm I'm very interested. Um I I told myself this offseason I wanted to expand a little bit and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pit you guys against each other because I was trying to decide do I want to do a salary league or do I want to do like a Debbie or a C2C league? And <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if I want to dive into both in the same offseason. C2C season.
2: salary cap league.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be one of the first of its kind. Um, so I, I, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I, I like the GM aspect of it, and I, I love the idea of like there the, were the, like regardless of league, if you perform well in your rookie drafts, you get rewarded for it mm-hmm. as a dynasty manager. Like it, you, you get to reap those rewards regardless. Mm-hmm. But I just it feels like. That those those wins would be so much sweeter in a salary cap league, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like like oh, the, the, like the like the like like let's just say there's a salary cap dynasty rookie manager out there that drafted Puka and Tank Dell in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts this year, mm-hmm. like. That guy well, is, the is living manager. the life right now.
0: Someone out there has done that too, I guarantee you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like <laughs> so that that aspect is very, very, very intriguing to me. Uh, I, I think that that the, the rookie, I, I was I really started to get excited whenever you guys were talking about the rookie draft. That's what really started to pique my yep. interest, was just thinking about the positive and negatives that can come with that and how important that can be. And even the strategy of just like like the 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 picks being weighted in terms of salary and so just like if you don't if if your cap situation isn't great you can't be like oh i'm just going to go grab i'm going to go trade for the 101 the 102 103 104 like no, that might they, not be they, that they, yeah. that might not be a possibility for you even right. no matter how no matter how many picks you think you can trade around things like that you can't just will and deal like that anymore you have to really put some thought behind mm-hmm. it so i've yeah. seen
1: i have seen guys time out in rookie drafts because they didn't have the cap space to make their pick on the clock I, like that's how picks. crazy it can get.
3: And oh, so also you, you, have, you have to have the cap space available at the time of that pick.
1: Correct. Like you, you
3: can't, can't you go can't, over. Like, you can't like make cuts after the nope. drafts or.
1: No. And what happens is if, if the other, if your league mates are smart, Cause what that guy's gonna do is he's gonna try to clear some space so that he can make that pick. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm not. And, that, with- and everybody's like, now nah, good luck with that because you should yeah. have done that two, three weeks ago. And we're in the wow. draft now. So you can just kind of get skipped because when nobody wants to trade, like that's how kind of how fine a point you can put on this stuff. And and you know to hear your point about the, the draft and how you can set yourself up. I drafted. I, t- I mentioned earlier I have Joss Allen on one of my rosters. I drafted him in like the second round. And I'm still only paying him like seven million, where like market value is like $20, twenty, thirty million for a quarterback. And so that <laughs> roster is just stacked. I got Jalen Hurts in like the third round of that of the of the following draft, like two drafts later, oh and he's he's making like five million. So it's a super flex league. I got those two guys, and wow. my my league mates are like fighting over you know Russell Wilson at thirty and forty million dollars, and I got Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts just sitting there chilling, making twelve combined. Like So that, you got
3: those guys like in the startup draft but just early in their No, career. no, I got them in the
1: rookie in their rookie draft in their respective rookie drafts.
3: So in a super flex league in
1: rookie drafts, they were going that late. Yeah, well, if you remember when Josh Allen came out he was, he was like, he was poo-pooed by the, by the establishment. Everybody said yeah, like his was footwork hurt. was terrible yeah. and he yeah. like, didn't have sound fundamentals. And I just remember yeah, watching,
3: the day two pick, so.
1: watching his, you know, workouts and watching him launch the ball, like 70 yards with a flick of the wrist. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm gonna take a shot on this guy in the second round. Now I didn't think he was going to be what he's become. No, anybody that tells you that, you know, is lying to themselves. But just that's the kind of control and kind of dominance that you can set yourself up with if you draft well, because now I got those guys well under market value. I'm using those my extensions on those guys, and I don't care what it costs because it's going to be way below what I would pay for a quarterback in a, you know a free agent auction. And just by being prepared and, and you know, kind of rolling the dice on some guys like that it makes all the difference.
3: I think that kind of goes to show just how different super – like how much super flex leagues have evolved too because mm-hmm. like you think about where Josh – like regardless how people felt about him. You, yeah, you right. remember where he got drafted in the NFL draft. Yep. Like there's no shot in today's world. Even Had if he gets you hate the him, he makes it to the second round. Right. Like if, I, I'm, I'm not crazy about the quarterbacks outside of the top three this year. like J.J. Right. McCarthy, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, those guys. But yep. – if one of them ends up getting drafted, like I, I, I have, I have none of those three in my top twelve right now for superflex. I only have three quarterbacks in my top twelve. If one right. of those guys on draft day gets drafted in the top ten of the NFL draft, yeah, they're gonna be my top twelve, even right. regardless of how I I feel totally,
1: I totally agree. Obviously, because I, I was that's where I was at. I was like, yeah, I'll take this guy. <laughs> Nobody else wants him. You know. Now I've gotten burned. I've taken, I've taken Mac Jones. I had Mac Jones on my roster, but even yeah. him, you know. He's a he was a starting NFL quarterback that I had at thirty percent of you know market value, and he could be my QB two. And uh, you know I had Herbert as my other on that roster. Okay, yeah. at least you got a good rookie year out of him. Right, exactly. And even if he's just playing, he's putting in some stats. There's only thirty two guys in the league putting in stats, mm-hmm. so I'll take him. You know, you know, at, at, at even T. just price.
3: A, just a, a a tip in general is like the these rookies. They, these rookie first round quarterbacks, like they they hold their value. Like even if they're yeah. bad for for a year, you know they're gonna yeah. hold some trade value. Like Mac Jones, like even if you weren't crazy about Mac Jones, where you took him, he played decent his rookie year. He held mm-hmm. his trade value. You could have flipped him after his rookie year, and you rather just flipping him for a rookie pick and re-rolling yeah. and just you know going for another quarterback yep. or flipping for a different established veteran. Like those rookie picks, man, they just continue to go up in value. So I, I don't know, man. I, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, we're yeah. slaying them.
1: Yeah, I think we're
3: there.
0: <laughs> so look, that's us doing the elevator pitch. So uh Jason, um speaking of man, heading into 2024, I want you to do two things right now. Number one, give me one bold fantasy football projection whether it be in general or that da- or salary cap for the 2024 season, and then also let us know what you're working, what you got going on inside and outside of the fantasy space right now,
1: dog. Sure, absolutely. So We'll start off with the prediction. Um, I, I gave this some thought. I saw it on the show sheet, and I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep on this. Um, we all know Kirk Cousins is a free agent, and there's a conjecture that Minnesota is gonna let him walk because he wants a high high dollar deal, and supposedly like uh, teams like Atlanta are, are suitors for him, so he's gonna have some options. I'm gonna say my deep prediction is he walks, and Justin Jefferson, as a consequence, falls out of the top ten of uh, wide receivers in 2024. Wow. Ooh. So I know that sounds particularly spicy, but I mean, after cousins left the lineup due to injury this year, Jefferson was also obviously also out due to injury, but he was just 12.2 fantasy points per game on PPR, which ranked 10th over that period. So, I know it, and then, I mean they had a rotisserie of journeymen and rookies and whatever yeah. up there. But even so, I looked at what other free agent QBs are going to be available, and, and there's not really anything not besides Cousins. So they're probably going to have to go with a rookie if they let him go. And you know, I think a rookie's going to take some time, no matter who they get, because they're in the middle of the pack of that draft. They're not up at the top unless they trade up. Yep. Um, yep. So then you're looking at maybe a middling talent. That's a rookie and he's got to get adjusted to the NFL and play right away unless they go with one of the guys that they use this year, which we already saw where that landed Jefferson. So, you know, it's bold. I'll, I'll admit that. But I think it's within the realm of possibility. Oh, Absolutely. I
0: love it. Oh, I love it. Let's go. Yeah. And so go ahead and drop us. Which guy going on inside and outside of fantasy space right now? What you working on?
1: So this time of the year, I mean, I think everybody, I mentioned the senior bowl. Everybody's kind of tuned in when you're in Dynasty to to the rookies, what the rookie class is shaping up like. You know, we're going to be mm-hmm. on the combine soon enough, and we're going to be talking about. So I'm working on profiles. I'm studying the rookies just like everybody else. I should have some profiles out on Dynasty Nerds. I'm working yes. on some for Bo Nix right now. We just talked about middling quarterbacks in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> he, he may be that guy that goes in the teens somewhere. So yeah. Um, you know, I'm excited to see uh, what this class shakes up as. And, you know, we're just starting to hear the rumblings of how they're matching up with senior bowl practices and stuff like that. So that's where my focus is. And that's where my content will be coming forward.
0: Beautiful, man. Beautiful. And that's also as always, we thank you so much. You're such a good mm-hmm. friend, yes, original sir. friend of this iteration of fourth and frames, man. You're such a such an awesome guy. We love you. We love having you here every time. And, you know, the door is open for you. Anytime you want to come back, of course. Hey, man,
1: if you guys are going to keep coming, giving me my flowers, I'll be here. You that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty me. nice. <laughs>
0: so, guys, that is it. As usual, we want to thank all of our viewers, all of our listeners, all of our watchers for tuning in with us on a weekly basis. Uh, you can mm-hmm. find our man Jason Snyder at Spide78 on the X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. You can see my man Drew at Drew3MR on Twitter. Chris Battistell at FF Crisby and the One Foot Down College Football Fantasy Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and myself at R-Manual Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate your time. Fourth in Frames, toodles.